talking to myself, little poster announcement. Uh, I and one of our other trainers slash alumni, Tracy Brown, we have a new podcast. It's called Talking to Myself. Uh, in the future, it's going to become a book that I'm working on, on self-coaching. But for now, it's a podcast. So it's called Talking to Myself. You can find it on talkingtomyselfpod.com. And uh, as of right now, it's on Stitcher and Amazon and um, Apple, but it's going to be on all the other ones as well. So yeah, check out the podcast, see if you like it. This is just the first episode, so uh, it's not very polished, but for a reason, I wanted to get some feedback from everybody. What it is, is Tracy and I going through different situations where either we've used self-coaching to kind of help us get through it or from way back when where we wished we understood that self-coaching was a thing and we wished that there were you know ways to pause and reflect to actually get through tough stuff so each week it'll be a new podcast on thursday so you can hopefully subscribe and like it and all that and share it if if you do like it and give us feedback um the first podcast first episode is on social anxiety and I think that relates to a lot of people um, so take a listen and at the end of each podcast what we will do is we will give out homework in the form of reflections so each week it's not just you know me and Tracy talking about our own experiences and hopefully you know, having them be valuable to others. But we also have some reflections or exercises or journaling prompts, things like that for listeners so that they can apply what they've heard to themselves. And, you know, hopefully it'll it'll help them the next time that they go through a situation like what we addressed in the podcast. So please check it out, talkingtomyselfpod.com. Um, also, you can look for it on Apple Stitcher and Amazon Music more coming next week, but I would really, really appreciate any subscribers and feedback. Um, we'll also be on Instagram, so you can leave comments and feedback there. And I realized I need to learn how to do a quicker pitch, but I'm a tiny bit nervous. I'm not going to lie because it's a new thing and it's, you know, scary in a good way. Social anxiety. See? Good tie-in. Okay, I'm going to stop sharing the screen. And instead, I'm going to also quickly mention those of you who are not accredited coaches yet, or perhaps you have your ACC and you want to continue further. Ram, as in this one that is on the screen, <laughs> he currently has um, a cohort running for ACTP. And his program is a bit unusual because, first of all, he crams a lot of stuff in there. So it's definitely uh, an education. But it's different because it focuses on leadership applications and systemic approach. So it's really, really valuable, especially for people who are in leadership positions um, and or work with leaders. Um, because of Ram's approach and the amount of uh, stuff that he covers, if you already have your ACC, it's okay for you to actually join this program and just continue on, even though there will be others in that program who are just starting out in their formal coach training. So if any of you there, uh, it sounds like, you know, training with Ram would be fun. And it is, that's what I did too. <laughs> um, please 
email us, go to our website, email me, I'll put you in touch with Ram. But um, the program did start a couple of weeks ago. He's still taking in new learners for the next week or so. So please, please join. And yes, if you have your PCC already, you can definitely join and work uh, and use the hours towards mastery. Um, Ram is quite flexible like that. So please reach out if you wanted to train with Ram, but time is of the essence because we'll be closing that cohort very soon. So um, yeah, referrals welcome, of course, as usual. But you know, Ram's awesome. And I can say that because I think all of you think so too, because you're here. So um, yes, talking to myself will be on Google Podcasts later today, I hope. I've submitted it. It hasn't been, um, what's it called, crawled yet. OK, I'm going to put the link to the podcast in the chat. Ta-da. And I'm going to put my email in case anybody wants to get in touch about joining Ram's program, coacharia.com. And uh, Ram is going to take over with more fun, tough questions. But we do need a few volunteers. Sparring partners, I think, is the word Ram likes to use to hop on the panel with Ram and have a bit of a debate. Ram, yep. what do you think? Yeah, sure thing, of course, yeah. Uh, I have a couple of questions that I can start with, uh, which have been asked in, I think, the last uh, webinar that we had, uh, which I didn't answer at that time. But uh, if there are, there are any, uh, any of you who have uh, questions, essentially questions related to some issues that you are facing in coaching. Uh, what I would like to do with this particular program, um, and we are running a blog called No Holds Barred, in terms of ask me anything that you wish that is bothering you. It's more like a supervision. And if you are willing to come on the panel, I'm quite happy to work with you to try and probe a little more uh, from a supervision approach, which is coaching the coach on coaching. and. Uh, so I would be more than happy to answer those questions. I see that uh, Magda has promoted Asgar over here. Uh, is there anyone, anyone else? Just put your name up here, raise your hands, and uh, let's start with it. Uh, yeah, Asgar volunteered as tribute, so. <laughs> okay, um, so let's start with that then, Asgar, if you are here. Um, yeah, hello, hi, everyone. Good morning. Yeah. Good evening to you. Um, and yeah, do you, do you have any questions that you would like to start with us? Uh, well, but, sorry, I mean, there is already a question actually from Kiati on the chat. So if you want to, do you want to bring Kiati onto the panel as well? Sure. Yeah. Is there a question from Kiati? So I, anyway, I, Kiati yeah. says, may I discuss oh, an issue? Sure, of sure, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Fine. Absolutely. Excellent. Kiati, get ready to be on camera in to be three. transported in time and space. <laughs> OK, so we'll answer Kiyati's question first, Ashkar, and then we will come to you. Uh, by the way, Ashkar uh, is currently based in Tehran, and he runs a program. Uh, he is a ACTP trainer with us, partnering with us, and he's running a program now in Farsi. Um, it's pretty amazing. Uh, I, I, I was looking at various other languages, but Farsi certainly wasn't there till Ashka reached out. And he has uh, a PCC credential and he's working towards his MCC coaching with some support from Cindy. 
Um, okay, we'll we'll come to Ashka in a few minutes. Um, and if any any of you others have any questions, uh, we can add you on to the panel in a few minutes' time. So, Kathy, yeah, what yes. is it that uh, you want to ask me, please? Ah, uh, thank you so much, first of all, Magda and uh, Ram, for this opportunity. I'm sorry I can't put on my video right now. I'm I'm on the terrace. It's a little dark here. No. Um, so what, what I'm facing, Ram, is I've been speaking to this lady. Uh, we've had about four sessions till now over a period of uh, maybe two months, two, two and a half months. Um, she was a reference to a friend. And she, she does come with a lot of baggage because uh, she, her mom went into coma when she was a very young girl and she lost her about uh, five, seven years ago. Um, she's herself having some health issue because of which she loses. She's lost her hair. She needs to wear a wig. Um, so uh, she's got this uh, very deep belief that, uh, you know, she, she has to uh, please people a little extra. She has to go out of her way to convince people. And, uh, you know, she's got this huge need for validation. And yet she always comes back feeling unrespected and, you know, uh, something of that sort. So disrespected, sorry. And uh, the same uh, reflects in her workplace, the same reflects in her extended family. Uh, we've spent almost three sessions just kind of establishing facts because with me also, she feels this huge need to convince me that she's undergoing, you know, so much trouble in life. Uh, and I've tried to tell her, you know, that, okay, so what do we want to do now? Where do we want to go from here now? Uh, but I'm not really able to get her in that space of thinking, what do I want? And, you know, how do I move forward? Yeah, so you as a coach, hmm. what is it that you want to achieve? That How to move her forward? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And... Uh, in in turn, how does she want to move forward? <laughs> Good question. So, uh, you know, she she wants others to like her. She wants to find a life partner. She wants her boss to give her a promotion. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we've reached a point of understanding that we can't control others. Mm -hmm. uh, but yet, you know, that's that's where it stops. That's where her needle stops. No, fair enough. Uh despite whatever truism that we cannot uh, mm. control other people, uh, each one of us has uh, needs and wants. So mm. in, in terms of these various things, as you said, she wants to find a partner, she wants people to like her, she wants a boss to give her a promotion and so on and so forth. Mm. Uh, if you were to drill it down to uh, one, if, if you were to prioritize or whatever, is mm. there something that you asked with her, uh, inquired, what is it that, uh, she wants to achieve. Yes, so I think her focus is more on the career because uh, uh, she, she believes that's like a big part of her present. Mm -hmm. uh, so she wants to either find another job, which is difficult because of COVID apparently, mm -hmm. or she wants that she should get her deserved uh, salary. Now, that is that is a little gray, right? I mean, who decides the deserved? Mm -hmm. Um, so I've tried to uh, probe into that a little bit. Indeed, you know, so the last session, she uh, came to the session saying, I've been crying all night. I was like, okay, what happened? And uh, she said, I got a rating of four on five. Uh, you know, so for a second, I just, uh, I, I tried to let her, uh, you know, express why is four bad? Why is it something worth crying for, mm -hmm. you know? 
she she just uh, so I, i'm not sure whether her you know her expectation is actually beyond uh, uh, what what should be really done like okay you know four on five is a reasonable rating it's definitely not something worth crying for but yes that is my opinion uh, and um, i i just feel that she's uh projecting her whatever has happened in her life onto everyone and everything that people are mean to me people are bad to me so she she is unable to see the good mm-hmm. you know can let let me be direct with you okay hmm uh this is what in supervision um it's called the sixth eye where mm-hmm. it's for the supervisor to share what the supervisor senses and what the supervisor yes, is becoming aware Yes, please. In the last just few minutes, maybe a couple of minutes, mm-hmm. you have said three or four things, which are like, for example, uh, who, who doesn't like to move forward or something of that sort, and yeah. uh, why is uh, four out of five is not okay? And, yeah, uh, we all want this and so on and so forth. Hmm. So what I do here between the lines hmm. is a lot of your opinions and judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, and this is okay. coming out very consciously, and obviously there's a lot more in terms of unconscious kind of a thing. So, to what okay. extent are you aware of this? Uh, yeah, I, I agree that you know the rating or the salary uh, issues are something where you know I I'm having my opinions, uh, and but no, I I haven't uh, kind of imposed it on her. Mm-hmm. Uh, though I did share, you know, I did share that. Um, you know what i i think 4 on 5 is a reasonable rating uh, what do you say for that mm-hmm. so but uh, she had her own justifications okay so let's say i mean just take a simple thing 4 on 5 is a reasonable uh, rating in your opinion hmm. but perhaps it may be phrased as okay now that you've got 4 what is it mm. that makes it more meaningful for you to go to five mhm or from there what is it that would be challenging for you to reach five okay and what is the drop of one between four and five mm. is sort of making her feel uh, explore mm. her sensations in the body or emotions and whatever doesn't matter what i mean people are talking about here drama triangle and locus of control and all that all those fine fancy mm. things but right very very simple uh, in coaching style without using any of these tools and techniques okay even look the primary need you yourself are saying that is one of validation yeah and with the kind of background that she has had mm. in terms of the mother in coma and she has had some issues and all kinds of stuff right so there there is there's a lot that she has gone through yes so if you take the basic carl rogerian philosophy of client centricity with unconditional positive regard and empathy okay even if some one, one starts inquiring into her as to how the current reality hmm. is affecting her in what way is she carrying that within her body within her mind as emotions and in thoughts mm-hmm. and from there when she wants to sort of move out of it huh. what is it that she feels is likely to happen otherwise we will be going around in circles with her right yeah that is what's happening okay because that is what coaching is about 
Coaching mm-hmm. is not about using some tools and techniques, fancy things or whatever. Sometimes they may help. So, so what if there's a drama triangle going on? Mm-hmm. Because everybody who is in trouble sees someone else as a villain and they as a victim. And they are all looking for yeah. somebody in a white stallion um, mm. hero to rescue them, the Prince Charming. Mm. So, I mean, so what? Okay. The simple way to do that is, what is it that is happening within her? Mm-hmm. And let's at the first level explore, completely shedding all these, I mean, first, the thing I would seriously uh, recommend for you is, uh, whatever that inner dialogue is going on, mm. because that unconscious dialogue is manifesting itself in something conscious here as you're talking okay. about it. And it's very okay. possible that that is manifesting itself in some way, which is further pushing her down into the validation uh, oh. slope down. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm just taking a guess because yeah. this is, what I'm doing in supervision is basically trying to explore what is it that you have done with her and what is the kind of relationship that you're having and what's your awareness. And basically, mm-hmm. some of the few things that you have said, and I'm not going into too much detail, yeah. is that you are making basically value judgments about her. Okay, I'll, I'll definitely check this within myself. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. you're, so try that and, and see if, uh, I mean, certainly it'll help. Look, at one level, irrespective of whether she gets a life partner, whether she gets a new job, especially in these mm. days and whatever mm. else it is. But the first principle in this particular case is a client is coming to us to be coached. Mm. They are in a disempowered situation. Mm. And pretty much 80% of all coaching that I have experienced comes into this category of invalidation, feeling of inadequacy. Uh-huh. Now, I don't know whether you have ever read this poem. If you haven't, I would very strongly suggest you do. Marianne Williamson, she talks about, it's not the darkness that we are afraid of, Mm -hmm. but it's the light that we may see. It's not the inadequacy that makes us afraid, but the fact that we may be powerful beyond belief. Wow. And it's an amazingly powerful poem. Read the whole of it. Um, I will, I will, I will so, definitely. If you could also put it on the chat, please. I will. No, just go to Marianne Williamson. Just, just the name of the. Yeah, M A R I A N N E. I'm okay. sure somebody here would be able to do that. Sure. Uh, Williamson. Uh, she's a very, very famous poet. All this right. particular thing is called I don't know, darkness or inadequacy or whatever it may be called. Sure. But it's, it's an sure. absolutely beautiful poem. So I mean, it's very much in line with the client-centric unconditional positive regard philosophy of Carl Rogers. And if you are able to help someone to see even that bit about the fact that are we, are we really, is, is, yes, we are all inadequate to some extent. Hmm. We all suffer from invalidation to some extent. Hmm. But not all of us behave in the same manner. Not all of us get into that uh, Maslow's hierarchy stage of emotional invalidation or feeling of lack of safety and survival, yo-yoing down. Essentially, it may be getting into a few successes, maybe small ones, 
maybe mm. there are certain things that she is good at she's got strengths in some areas so mm. is that something that she can uh, work towards oh multiple things anyway right and and a simple question can be do you really love yourself i have asked that and she says no <laughs> okay so then if she doesn't love herself what is it that will help her love herself okay can she even sort of practice saying i love myself okay and there if you want to one of the most powerful tools that i have come across is called the change of state by richard bandler in neurolinguistic programming mm-hmm. which is essentially about a visualization technique initially visualizing even any brief moment that in the past may have really given that person a lot of uh, feeling of power empowerment etc control mm-hmm. anchoring that and um the current situation whatever she is experiencing mm. uh, overlap that uh, powerful anchored state and and move forward uh, so there's a book that uh, richard bandler has written i i don't uh, i think the gift of something whatever it is it's a beautiful okay. book uh, okay. he talks about multiple ways of using the change of state if at all one has to use something it's a very practical application it's not a theoretical kind of a thing uh okay. analyzing various things but it's a very very practical thing and of course yes like you said uh, somebody pointed out locus of control yeah what am i in control of fair enough hmm. but like for instance if now she says i don't love myself so where do you go from there <laughs> so so you you really have to work with her in terms hmm. of her ability to validate herself right you will first start by you believing that she is validatable right which doesn't at this point in time hearing you it doesn't seem to be happening sure sure i i take that feedback right so i mean i'm i'm i'm, I'm sorry if uh, i'm saying something which is not to be said but no no it's perfect the supervision that is uh, this is uh, helping absolutely yeah uh, yes thank you so much thank okay, you okay yeah someone has said uh, yeah reena saxena about dps yeah i i i don't know who this book of return to love but uh, the original poem is by mariana uh, williamson so you would be able to do that and yeah there there is also uh, there like magda has put down there there is an nlp program uh, which is being run by one of our coaches and uh, actually yeah, he he is a very strong foundation in nlp and one of the things he is doing is reframing it's basically a reframing stuff okay. and change of state is one of the processes that he is going to be Uh, dealing with so you can if if you are interested in attending that you want to learn sure. about it, that would be worth yeah uh, sure sure i think shweta sure. has put the full the thing of mariana williamson uh, somewhere yeah. all right okay thanks thanks uh, kathy thank you for uh, your help yeah my pleasure thank you for volunteering okay um yeah so um magda if you're still there if there's anybody else who has got another question uh, we can get that person in so kathy if you you're uh, here but there's mind. no one else who um, wants to come on as yeah, far so as I'll i know so, so um yeah uh, kathy can go back into the audience if uh, that's yeah. okay and then we can get somebody else thanks kathy thanks for being all right yeah yeah asker uh hi uh ron and everyone uh since the the goal of uh, this session is more learning um, and uh, using the experiences and 
uh, in our coaching practice. So I have a, a couple of questions, but I prefer to focus on a question which I think that might be useful for everyone. Uh, because of the, the, the pandemic, uh, of course, everyone in the world is, is suffering from the, the, the uh, you know, uh, the problems. Uh, there are many people that lost their, their business, lost their uh, loved one. And uh, so among the, the clients, there are many, uh, uh, many people that when come to you uh, and uh, actually asking for a coaching session, they also have something sad in their recent experience. And uh, since uh, also Khiyati, a question was very much focused on uh, competencies four and five, uh, I want to, to ask you uh, a question and also seeking your advice that as a coach, we have to uh, concentrate on, of course, in the, in the presence in, uh, in particular. And we have to be take care to not moving too much from empathy to sympathy. But uh, I think that we can easily actually sleep to, to that, that side. And uh, sometimes we try to, to make more trust and uh, meeting the competency for. So we try to, to show more sympathy instead of the, the empathy. Mm. And, if we say that the empathy is more understanding, but sympathy may, may have a negative effect on us as well, and probably push us to the limits of, you know, going to the tropy and mentoring and, and advising, counseling, and everything. So uh, having the, the competency two and courageous principle and all of these, I would like to, to ask your advice on this, that as, as a coach, how can we uh, uh, actually take care of ourselves and possible errors that we, we, we can uh, you know, uh, prevent to go from empathy to sympathy? Thanks. And what are the kind of situations where you think this is most likely to happen, moving from empathy uh, to sympathy? At least in my experience, because I'm working with, with the business and CEOs there, they, they are, uh, losing their business or, you know, losing uh, someone that have effects on their, uh, you know, performance in, in their workplace. So sometimes it's a very side issue of the, the core subject of the coaching session, but anyway, overshadow the, the whole process of the, the coaching session. Now, as a result, um, if there were senior executives, as a result of whatever people were suffering from. So what was it that they expressed, which mm -hmm. for you seemed like uh, moving from empathy to sympathy? Uh, no, actually, uh, they, they, they say that how difficult, uh, you know, how difficult these days are for them and they lost something. And uh, so when they get, you know, uh, some emotions, so they push us as, as coaches from the, the level of empathy to sympathy because we are humans and we cannot see just, you know, ironic okay. like that. So this is more, uh, you know, I feel the weakness in, in my side rather than the client. Okay. Okay, someone else, Vinita has a similar issue. I'm requesting her to come on board here as well. And after you, 
I would like her to continue with that. But Ashka, let's let's start with some very basic things. Like you said, there is in a way a very thin line between empathy and sympathy, but there is also a deep chasm between empathy and sympathy. Um, it, it, it's very important to understand where one ends and other starts. I mean, to put it very crudely, empathy is about putting ourselves in someone else's shoes, their mind, and be able to appreciate the kind of feelings that they have, especially ones of distress or disempowerment. Whereas the sympathy is articulating it in a way to say, you know, I feel bad for this and so on. It's almost sometimes it could even be that I am sharing that emotion the other person has. In fact, um, Cindy in one of our MCC classes, um, she put that beautifully. Um, I don't know whether Cindy is here somewhere, uh, perhaps not. But um, when, when somebody else is, she, someone else is coaching Cindy, I think, and uh, as a demo, and Cindy turned around to her and said, you know, it's like, I'm, I've fallen into a well, a deep chasm, and I'm sitting there, unable to get out. And I want somebody to give me a hand to pull me up. But instead, you're also jumping into the well and coming by my side and sitting there. Mm -hmm. And it's not helping either of us. That is exactly what happens in sympathy. It may be artificial, it may be genuine. I'm not saying all cases of expressions of sympathy are artificial. There are many cases where, especially in the Eastern uh, part of the world, uh, we believe that we have to mourn very loudly, wail, and all that kind of a stuff. And that is when people feel that we are really mourning for somebody. Uh, that may be true. But generally, this is what uh, I would say the difference between sympathy and empathy is. And if you understand that very clearly from a coaching standpoint, it essentially means that can you disengage yourself? You cannot prevent the client from saying whatever they are saying. If the client feels that way, you can explore what they are experiencing at that moment when they are talking about this particular experience of other people or themselves going through a grief or loss or whatever it is. But ourselves, we can avoid ourselves from getting into that pit of sympathy and staying outside and lending a hand for them to come up. Now, actually, there is a very famous experiment that uh, I read about uh, a while ago. Um, some time ago, maybe about 10 years ago, um, there was a research that was done in a hospital uh, in the United Kingdom where the psychologist made a hypothesis that sympathy actually is detrimental to the well-being of someone who's coming out of grief, someone who has lost a loved one. And what they did was to set up control groups and ones in which, especially the caregivers, they're like nurses and so on, um, hug them, which is what was normally these people do, and then express sympathy and so on and so forth and monitored what happened to these people over a period of time. And another one, they instructed them what seemed extremely cruel that uh, don't even touch them, don't even talk to them 
uh, in a very sort of supportive way or whatever, be very matter of fact. All that you do is to uh, just tell them, okay, fine, what is it that you need me to support? This has happened, this is reality. And to the extent they say, if you normally would sort of lend a handkerchief or an give a napkin or whatever it is for them to dry their eyes or tears or whatever it is. If they really are in need of it, they said, just throw a roll of whatever, maybe toilet paper, kitchen paper, whatever it is, and so that they can do it. And actually, initially, the nurses rebel, but they convinced them that this is for a cause. And they measured the progress over 12 months, and this is real, and then 24 months. And they found that in cases where the nurses were seemingly uncaring and they didn't express sympathy. People got over their grief much, much faster. And in cases where they expressed sympathy, anytime, maybe even two months later, three months later, sometimes six months later, when they came and the nurses again hugged them, they broke out crying and the entire grief situation came back and they said, when they were monitored that they were being, they, they got depressed. And, and they were measuring it on, many of you are familiar with the Kubler-Ross model, the denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Pretty often the first three stages, denial, anger, and bargaining, they pass pretty quickly. The denial doesn't stay for long, the anger doesn't stay for long, the bargaining doesn't stay for long, but the depression stays for long before you can accept. Mm -hmm. So what this does is, when we express sympathy, they found that then people feel entitled to be depressed mm -hmm. and they continue there. It may seem very cruel. And this was a very scientific uh, kind of experiment that was done. And, and I, I don't remember now where it was. This was actually told to me in a group of people <clears throat> who were working on some NLP techniques and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you look at it from that perspective, there's a scientific reason, psychological reason, neuroscientific reason why uh, it is far better to be unsympathetic in a way, but just trying to understand, okay, fine, you're going through this. How does that make you feel? Uh, what is it that your body sensation is? Can you become more aware of it? Can you label it? These kind of techniques, uh, somatic techniques and bit of ontology techniques, which are disengaged techniques can actually help the person to be uh, reaching that acceptance stage uh, much, much faster. So very simply put, this is my simple advice to most people when they ask me, how do you, I mean, if there are people who run programs on grief coaching, I don't even understand because when someone is in deep grief, the best thing that you can do is to shut your mouth, zip your mouth and just listen, mm. that's all. And there's an initial period where they need to get over themselves. And then you can start exploring uh, what we call the ACT, the sensations, emotions, and thoughts, and so on, for them to become more aware of what is it that really, very often, in my personal experience, because I used to be a spiritual healer at one time, much of the grief comes from guilt. We feel in some way, uh, especially if it's a loved one, that, um, and I've personally worked with such people trying to work them through the guilt to make them feel that they are not 
responsible for it, make them understand themselves. Um, so there are multiple tools and techniques which are uh, not that easy, but uh, it's possible. But otherwise, I would just say, zip your mouth and keep quiet and listen to them mm -hmm. rather than trying to uh, so oh i feel so sad for you and you must be going through a hell of a lot of stuff and so on and so forth honestly this doesn't help and this re reasonably good scientific proof for it okay um yeah okay thank you so much i mean if you have anything else follow up we'll uh, Vinita, you have anything to follow up on? Uh, uh, sir, before Vinita, I, I, I would like to thank that you actually answered my second part of question about resources, techniques, and uh, okay. practices. Thank you so much, Ron. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, some, some of the resources, some of the techniques that I have used are meditative techniques, um, which I, I do not want to share in a public forum. And uh, they may not necessarily be uh, purely aligned to coaching as we know it. Mm -hmm. uh, so it may have to be taken in a different way, help people to learn how to calm themselves. Simple breathing techniques can help, especially in breathing through the left side of the body, the left nostril, which will activate the right nostril, which releases um, the nurturing chemicals like oxytocin and serotonin and dopamine and things like that. Uh, they certainly help. There, there's some evidence to show that, not fully scientifically based. But for those of those who, who believe in these things and have strong faith in it, it does work certainly. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. Um, yeah, Vinita, uh, is there anything else that you want to uh, add to what we talked about? Any other question? Yeah. So. Uh uh, thanks, Ram. I think, um, uh, you know, what, what I gained out of this conversation was quite a bit what uh, I was looking for uh, in terms of what you were mentioning to Askar. Uh, one thing what came up to me when I went through this experience is, as I said, you know, we all recovered from COVID. We were, my dad and myself were hospitalized. We had images of that. Uh, we got back home and the first coaching session, which I dived into, three of them were all COVID related. And the struggle in me was... Um, one, of course, was, you know, the flashes and the images which is coming on to me as somebody was explaining about what exactly they went through and very similar, um, similar, you know, experiences of what I went through. So for me, it was very difficult to disassociate myself from that. Um, though I tried hard and I tried to keep it uh, in an empathetic manner and just to ensure that, uh, you know, this conversation is more focused on the client and not what is coming up for me. Uh, I think as it, it was very natural in me to get and that was a blind spot which I had to address. Uh, I, which I've still not had the courage to go back and address which, which triggered this conversation now. Um, the second part what came to me is also that as I uh, was talking to this person, um, the focus light was shifting back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. At the end of the coaching conversation, what I went was I could have given a lot more to the client through my presence. Uh, if not, I had, uh, you know, if, if I had really not associated myself with the experiences I had. So my question would be, uh, you know, in such short span of time where you have experienced a similar thing, your memory is very fresh and you're getting into a coaching conversation and this comes up in front of you. There is an opportunity I see, but there is also an opportunity I see to just go away from uh, the context. Um, 
which weakens me inside as a coach ram so that that's let's look at it slightly differently put yourself as the client for a moment and like you said you and your father both uh, tested positive whatever and uh, so what did that what is it that you experience in terms of the way that people responded to you that made you feel good and not so good uh, are you asking about what i went through as an experience or in the coaching conversation no 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 forget coaching conversation i'm talking about in real life you as a person i am i correct to i mean if i when i as you said i did gather that you you and your father both tested positive or something of that sort right yeah Okay. and we were hospitalized you were hospitalized yeah, as well my dad was hospitalized and i was a caregiver for him yeah so one of the reasons why i called in mervin he said that he was hospitalized so i i want next to go to him so in in that situation what is it in the way that people responded or reacted or empathized or sympathized with you guys with your father and you and so on where um, which are the ones which were positive and which are the ones which were not positive for you so what was positive uh, uh, at least for me was a lot of um, very firm directions from the doctor and uh, not so sympathetic approach like you just mentioned uh, you know where they said oh it's all right we will go back no there was not nothing of that sort we keep yeah. it very simple these are your medicines please take it we will keep checking your oxygen levels we will check how you're doing in terms of your Uh, your lung capacity and and that's it and that's your path to recovery so it was very very simple and straightforward there was no mixing words there so that gave me a lot of clarity and i knew where exactly we are moving towards to. so that was positive negative was when there are these a uh, few people around me in my social uh, setup who calls and say oh this happened to you i'm so sorry i wish nothing happens to you or your dad you know then that takes me to a completely different tangent <laughs> then i'm anticipating worse immediately around uh, uh, right yeah. so <laughs> i'm 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 so glad that you said that because uh, this is exactly i mean this is pretty much scientifically proved uh, proven and then what you're saying uh, reaffirms that uh most of the time the experience has been that this kind of sympathy oh you know you need to be strong i know that you are strong and you will be all right in these kind of situations is uh, unfortunately it sounds fake and is very often fake uh, but we'll come back to it I, i want to sort of summarize it later in a little bit because it's very relevant to the current situation ashka thanks for raising it so mervin would you like to describe exactly the same way but like one thank you and thanks um, for raising this really important issue i want to take a slightly a slightly different track to some of the things that's being said um and also support some of some other things i think it's what was what i said to said before about the medical containment is really really important that the doctors and whoever you're dealing with contain uh, the patient and in and install that this is the treatment this is the way we're going but i do think and i also agree totally that people we're talking about death with to around us we're talking about the possibility of actually dying yourself going into a coma or that that kind of thing um that this really hooks people in a very um primal way and 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 that those those platitudes that people say afterwards to you is beyond irritating and i think it really links to their inability to to in a deep and meaningful way to connect um i don't agree with some of the research that you're talking about 
I think that some of the most meaningful stuff that I actually experienced was people, um, I, I wasn't in a position to speak, but in a lot of the time, but people um, on the nursing staff or doctors or, or would, would show support to me. And I think it's really, really important to show support to somebody in a way that shows presence. Um, that talks about that they tell you they're saying prayers for you. That was extremely meaningful to me that someone communicates with me and says, you know, you're in isolation, your family can't come to you. We're saying prayers for you, or we're doing this for you, or we provide, or they send the, the offer of sending a particular thing into the ICU that you could actually have a homemade meal that is according to your dietary preferences. Um, and there's a tremendous, tremendous learning that actually happens in the, in the process and afterwards. So for example, one of the most humbling moments that I've ever had in my life, and I don't want to take too much time up, but uh, was um, in, the ice, in the unit I was in, obviously everyone's got COVID. So there's four of us in a room and none of us had masks on because you all are in this situation together. Um, so there's no mask because you've got oxygen attack, attached to you. And this one nurse came up to me and she had to administer something. And she specifically asked me in a very, in a very calm way, she said, um, she said, um, she said to me, um, I have got a family at home. Can you please put a mask on when I'm close to you? And and that act of connection, I think in my mind is one of the most humbling experiences I've ever I've I've ever had. I sorry, I don't know why my um, video is not coming on. So um, yeah, that, and so that's one example. And then I'm also finding out about communities of people from different faiths, different parts of the world, that they actually. Um, were praying for me, that they sent me messages. So I think that's very, very powerful. And then one last, one last, um, um, one last thing I think that I want to just make the point um, in terms of clients, coaching clients, and also the ongoing learning. When you're in this situation uh, of being so sick and coming out and having to be in a position where you can't even work a computer because you're so weak, um, that there's certain things one can't do. And as time goes on, you develop a strength and a way of looking at things and learning lessons, maybe in dreams, however it actually happens, that you pick up a lot of learning in a, in a, in a way along the way as you, go, as, you get, as you get stronger. I think that's an important point to make. Okay. So, Let me, uh, one of the things that you said Maybe I exaggerated a little bit uh, in terms of the research. The, in the research, the nurses, it's not that the nurses were not doing their caregiving job or the nurturing job. They did all that. What they did not do and what they were asked not to do is to sort of physically and in a very uh, expressive way display emotions, hug people and so on and so forth. So I, I didn't want to imply at all yeah. that the nurses were cold 
uncaring, etc. That is not true at all. Okay, that will be an insult to the nurses and the Florence Nightingale profession. Um, so pardon me if I convey that impression. That is wrong. But this is a factual research report, which I, clearly. I get, I get that. Yeah. So what what happens is here the scientific principle behind it is there is a kinesthetic anchoring that happens when you hug somebody in grief and you do whatever that you need to do, touch them, whatever you do. And that becomes anchored in the body as a memory. And even a year or two years later, if that person sees that person recognizes and the person touches or hugs or whatever the person cries out and the trauma comes back, which is not helpful to be honest. I mean, this was the result of that uh, thing. So I just want to correct anybody's impression if I convey the wrong impression, that is totally wrong of me because I have two siblings who are both doctors who are both actively engaged in COVID um, uh, in, in the US and a very, very dear friend uh, who works, works night and day with COVID patients in Canada. And they are amazingly, amazingly empathetic, but they're not yeah. sympathetic. They do not want to go around crying about it. No, so that's really the difference. Yes. Ram, I just want to, before I end off, one thing I want to say, which I think is highly relevant to coaching and, and useful to everybody, is that obviously I couldn't work while I got ill. So I was fine and then I got seriously ill. So my whole practice went into, into a major spin. And when I was able to come back, the work that happened with my clients, there was some amazing learning work about vulnerability and having a coach that was vulnerable. There was major moves that, that happened. And I think the issue of the coach having, um, having been ill can really make significant, it can be worked with significantly in the relationship in terms of ability on, of numerous things. But I just say that that as a, as a coachable moment that can be worked in the relationship um, in terms of, yeah, so that's just, I think I've said enough. I, I just have a question to ask you, but before that, there was a gentleman who was saying that it's very dull and he's very upset that you're not showing your face, uh, but I'm very sorry for those of you in the audience. It's not, uh, there's no diktat that uh, uh, everybody has to switch on their video. And please uh, bear with it. So if you can't see the person, you can't see the person. I don't think uh, you are missing anything if you don't see the person's face, if they are expressing what they are saying out here. Yeah. Okay. So, Sir, I, I mean, you are somebody you have posted about five times. So, I would sincerely request that you stop posting this again. And if Mervyn and Venita do not want to show their face, they don't want to show their face. Okay. Thank you. Uh, so Mervyn, the question that I have for you is, what is it that in this experience, like Vinita said, certain things empowered her, certain things disempowered her. So what is it uh, that specifically, just sticking to that point, what are the few things that empowered you, uh, going back to Ashgar's point, uh, in terms of the difference between empathy and sympathy, what helps people, what is it that empowered you and what is it disempowered you? Firstly, it's not that I don't want to show my face. It's that the, 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 the screen button is not actually reflecting here. So no, it's okay. Don't worry about it. No don't practical note. 
Okay, I, I kind of think, I think firstly what empowers me is the realization, that thing of actually facing, of really coming back and, and, and that it's an incredibly empowering thing to, to feel that you've been right to the edge and coming back and that it's almost what it is by God's grace, or, you know, whatever your framework actually is, that you've been given a second chance. And the thing of what do I do with this opportunity that I've now been given? And it's also an amazing, amazing experience of what empowers me in an ongoing way is to see um, it's a moment of great, great clarity, absolute clarity in terms of the people around you realizing where relationships or activities have not added value to your life. It's a cleaning out, like a spring cleaning out um, in terms of of prioritizing what's important. And I think that is incredibly empowering. And also from a diversity perspective, just realizing um, how you, how illness can bring people from so many different places and, and value systems and that how you've actually impacted and interrelated with people during a lifetime and how they hear things and come back to you and are really happy that you're alive. I think that is that is that is a, an incredibly profound experience. Okay. Um, yeah. Thank you. So yeah, Askar, having listened to um, a couple of people sharing mm -hmm. uh, this particular dichotomy, as it were, between empathy and sympathy, and what works and what doesn't, um, mm -hmm. is there any other follow-up? kind of a question that you might like to ask? Uh, not necessarily the, the question, but what I can comment as uh, someone who is actually teaching coaching uh, is that uh, we as, as coaches and professional coaches, and when we get more professional, we have to uh, take care more. Yeah. So I think that uh, we have, or let's say, I would say we must, uh, learn these techniques and be aware of that and uh, study these things. And I would say that I'm very much taking care of myself to not dropping, as you mentioned, instead of you know giving the hand, uh, dropping in in the in the in the well. Uh, but this would easily happen even when you are professional. So don't think that you are you know vaccinated or immune from this error and, uh, you know, sleep. Thank you. Yeah. Um, again, uh, I don't know how many of you know this. In a webinar, we do not have the option to switch on everybody's video and see everybody. It's uh, maybe sad, it's maybe unfortunate, but if that bothers some people, then in that case, maybe this is not the right forum. Uh, if it's a small group meeting of 15 or 20 people, yes, we can put on everybody's video and see each other. But in a webinar, it's not possible. That is how the, the Zoom uh, webinar is designed. So please understand that. And it's not possible for us to bring all the attendees into the forum and to be able to see their uh, beautiful faces, unfortunately. And it's only a few people whom we can invite to the panel, a limited number of people that can happen. So um, I, I, I uh, yeah, uh, let, let's, uh, 
yeah. Uh, yeah, don't, yeah, somebody said, no worries, don't let one person uh, ruin the uh, program. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. Um, yeah, a uh, couple of weeks back, there was a session on silence and yes, there was this beautiful session um, uh, with Cindy, Priya and my son Pranav on silence, pause and reflection. And uh, there are certain things that uh, they said there which were extraordinarily powerful. And very often when we are working with people who are in any kind of a grief, that grief need not always be of losing a loved one. It could be many other things, losing a relationship, losing um, a position, losing wealth. It could be multiple things that, that could be happening. And very often, the coach's way to deal with that is just to be silent and allow the other person, if they do not want to express it, express it be silent too. And if you're comfortable with that, and if you experience it, you will find that there is an energy space between you. And that energy space is extremely powerful. Without saying anything, you don't have to be a great sage like Ramana Maharishi to be able to do that. Any of us can do it. We sincerely care for that person. We have the empathy how the person feels. And you can sit there and be there for that person. Ashgar earlier talked about trust and presence, that that's really the quality of trust and presence. You don't have to speak to be able to express trust and presence. You just have to be there. And your, your facial expression, your body expression, your energy would indicate to the other person how much you care. And that's very often uh, that's enough. And uh, uh, I mean, those of you who really would like to learn more about it, you can do some meditation. In fact, my son was talking about Vipassana, the 10 day uh, silent meditation. It's an amazing, amazing program. Where for 10 days, all that you do is to be quiet and just become aware of your breathing first and your body and eventually it leads to what I call the mindless state. You go beyond the body and mind from the awareness. Once you go through some of these programs, you can remain silent without a problem. And that's what, in most cases, when people are in grief, they require. They require that space. They don't require words. And I think it's very difficult for many of us to understand. So I'll, I'll, I'll uh, stop here. And what I would request all of you is, uh, those of you who would like to bring questions for the next few sessions, I would really like to run this through in terms of questions and maybe invite some people to have supervision sessions, uh, somewhat similar to what Kathy brought, uh, if they are willing. Um, so send us the questions, send just to support at Kocharya or to ramatkocharya.com, whichever way. And, and we're also publishing blogs on uh, answers to various questions over weeks. So hopefully uh, that would enhance uh, for all of us our total knowledge in terms of what uh, coaching is about. So yeah, uh, that's it. Uh,
Yeah, empathy and sympathy, the difference between these two is extremely, extremely important. Yes, Magda, you were back. Yeah. Oh, I'm back because I thought you were done. Yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm never done. Um, thank you, thank you, Ram. <laughs> I'm never done. I put a link in the chat. I'll do it again because things are moving quickly. Please take a look at that little survey. So if you want to submit any questions anonymously or not anonymously, doesn't matter. That's the best place to actually submit them because then they will be in one spot and um, both Ram and I can access them. So I request that you please fill out that quick survey with any questions you're too afraid to ask or maybe not afraid to ask, you just haven't yet. We would love to hear them and Ram will address them yeah, either in this forum um, or on our blog. So that's the one thing I want to say. Second thing I want to say, please check out the new podcast. I'm very nervous and very excited. Talkingtomyselfpod.com. Please, please, please send feedback. Third thing, we have scholarships. Um, one thing that I think <laughs> we do really poorly at Kocharya is actually communicate all the things that we do really well at Kocharya. And that's, you know, mostly my fault, but we, we're working on that. Um, so until um, yours truly gets her act together and uh, communicates the things we do well, better, I'm gonna tell you in forums like this. So we do have scholarships um, for all of our programs. There's no set number because they're based on the people that are applying. So, you know, our mission is to democratize coaching. We want people all over the world of all walks of life to have access to this, both in terms of receiving coaches, coaching, uh, learning coaching skills or becoming coaches. So, you know, especially people who are working in, um, in NGOs or just doing good work that benefits people around the world and who would like to become coaches, but it's not something that's affordable for them. Please apply for a scholarship. I put the link earlier. Um, I, my homework will be that I'll put it on the blog and the website today because it's stupid that it's not there. Um, so please check out our blog, check out coacharia.com if you want to apply or just email me and I will point you in the right direction. But long story short, um, we want you, not just you to apply, but people that you know in your life uh, in your lives uh, that are making an impact, especially during this time where the world is literally falling apart, not just through COVID, but through you know the stuff since COVID and all the conflicts that are going on. I mean, all the other disasters that have been happening uh, before COVID are still there and they'll continue happening. So I'm sure that people are doing good work where um, coaching education uh, could be something that's really useful and impactful. So please send those people our way just introduce them to me. That's fine. I will make sure they get to the right spot. So um, as always, I'm Magda at Kocharya.com. Please reach out. Please support us. Please share this webinar. Please share Kocharya. Check out my podcast. I don't know what else. Okay. <laughs> thanks, things. Magda. So Thank you so much for your support, everyone. And thanks for being here. Yeah. And we'll close with that. And thanks, Oscar, for coming here. <laughs> Kathy, Vinita, and Mervyn. Thanks for volunteering to be here.